Sometimes I do messages that are in parts, and this is part one in a series called Are You in Step with God? The word cadence means balanced. It's a rhythmic flow, the measure of beat or movement, as in dancing or marching. And those of us who have experienced military life understand the word cadence. And if you didn't, in the Marine Corps, you picked it up pretty quick or you kind of suffered the consequences. You learned to stay in step quickly. It, it kind of looked and sounded something like this. This is a clip out of MCRD, a Marine Corps recruit up on San Diego, California. Let's watch. spent a little time out there, and I marched through that arch. One of the things I remember was that as those drill instructors would call cadence, you, you heard those boots hit the deck, and you, you kind of got a, you got, got a sense of keeping rhythm. We had this one drill instructor that liked to mess with you more than others, and so when you were marching, he'd say, now, if that guy in front of you gets out of step, kick him in the butt. You didn't realize that when you kicked him in the butt, you got out of step, and the guy behind you whacked you, so I only did that once. I learned my lesson pretty quick on that deal. <laughs> oh, man. Man, watching that gives me the shakes. I spent a lot of times on that grinder. Some of you guys probably did, too, if you was in the Marine Corps and went to MCRD, but man, oh, man. Our Heavenly Father calls cadence through His Holy Spirit to keep us in rhythm with Him, him as he, we keep in step with His plan for our lives. Just like there's a rhythm to your physical life. There's one for your spiritual life, and God determines the beat. He calls the cadence. God has a plan for you. I, I do believe that in life, at the moment of conception, when your parents conceived you, when the sperm meets the egg, that is when that, is when that storyboard, God knew it before, but I do believe that your name was on the top of that. That's when your life began. It wasn't later. It was right then at that moment. David pretty much proves that to me in the scripture and Psalms. So here is your name at the top of this board. So you go through, you, you come through the womb, you're brought into this life. They smack you and you make you cry and life starts. Well, on the storyboards that we, we do, we write our own and our name's at the top. God puts that there. And on the right hand is his column and how he's got your life planned out. And on the left is our column. And a lot of times, especially before we come to Christ, our columns don't line up. I, I remember, I remember in my life, I, I thought about writing my memoirs. So I, if you've ever done that, it's a good thing to do to leave your kids uh, to, to kind of prove that you weren't always a lunatic. There was some saneness in your life. But nonetheless, I, I wrote the first few chapters and when I was a kid and whatever. 
And I don't know how you, want, you would start yours out, but I've always wanted to start mine out, and this is what I did because I was the author, and I could write what I wanted. So here, here's how it starts out. On August 28th, 1950, within wee hours of the morning, God smiled on humanity. That's how mine starts out. <laughs> and you might think that's a little bodacious, but it's all right. I, was, I had the pen in my hand. I was one writing a story. So it goes on. But, uh, I just thought that was, that'll make my kids smile, maybe and grandkids down the road sometime. I don't know, but it, I just thought. But in, in that, uh, in, when, when I was thinking about my life, I didn't plan much, but there was a three-letter word that was, was kind of at the top, and it was F-U-N. I, I thought life should be fun. I thought everything about life should be fun, regardless of what it is. And you know what? Administrators and principals and superintendents and teachers, they didn't think that was a good idea. They didn't think, I wanted to introduce fun to everybody, but it, it didn't work out that way. And then on that list, a lot of the things that I had written down didn't come out, but one did. Because I wrote down that I wanted to marry a drop-dead gorgeous woman, and I did, so I could check that off my list, but that's, that's the way that it is. So, But on God's side, that, it, it, started to, it started to get a little fuzzy because he had things on my list that I really didn't want to do. I, I can tell you in all honesty this morning from this old heart that when God took me down that path, this was the last thing I wanted to do. Last. I love the railroad. I didn't want to quit it. I, God took it away from me. This is the way he does things. But nonetheless, I would have done something else, but, but this is what God wanted me to do. So uh, I took that path, and uh, I've been blessed ever since, and otherwise I wouldn't have got to meet you fine folks. There's a storyboard with your name on it, and he has your story timed out, and he set times for your life if you will listen. But it's his time. It's not ours. Our, our time sometimes is a little different from his time, but it's in his time. Isaiah 48, 9 says, this is what the Lord says, at just the right time, I will respond to you. This passage is the promise of Israel's restoration. We can correlate this same passage to you and I in our restoration, the day that Jesus rescued and restored and redeemed you and I from the darkness and sin and wickedness that leads to the pits of hell. Isaiah 49, 8, again, so what the Lord says, at just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. I will give you as a token and a pledge to Israel. This will prove that I will reestablish the land of Israel and reassign it to its own people again from ruin and desolation. The Babylonians had destroyed the city of Israel. They broke its walls down. It was ruined, but God would restore it, and he continues to restore. He has, he's done it again, and he will do it before. And we, as children of God have been grafted in. I, I think I always want to mention that when we talk about the nation of Israel, Jesus came for the Jews. Man, we don't want you. So he allowed us Gentiles, who a good Jew would see as dogs, let us in the kingdom, kind of in the, in the door. So we're in, we're grafted in. So there's a lot of Old Testament scripture that does apply to Israel, but there are some we can apply it to our lives. At just the right time, I will respond to you, and that's what God has done to many of our hearts. God promises I will respond. When at the right time on the day of salvation, I will help you. God responds when he, we seek him. It all starts with our salvation. God reconciled the world to himself through Christ's death and resurrection. You and I have to turn to Christ and confess and repent and receive Jesus in our hearts. This is salvation, and we all have to do it. I, 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 I've been amazed in my life in ministry that 
people that had gone to church 5, 10, 15 years, and then they, they had never made this commitment. And then on that day, when the scripture respond, says that God will respond, for some day, way the light goes on as the Holy Spirit reaches them, and they fall on their face and give their life for Christ, and they've been in church 15 years. That makes no sense to me. So this message today is for all of us that if you've been sitting on the fence, if you've been waiting, it's time to make that commitment. That is the point. It's what we're about. It's all that we do. We're here to make disciples and teach them. That's why we exist. And I know a lot of times people hold back a little bit, and you think, you know what, if I give, I do this and that, I'm in. That doesn't matter. That's a, that's a sign of God's blessing in your life, and you should do it. But the question comes down, is Jesus in your heart. There's a man here in town that I had met two weeks ago. Jessica got me hooked up. It's a friend of hers. He's dying of cancer. He's not got long. He wanted to see me. We went over. We prayed. He has Christ in his heart, and he's ready to go. That's, that's what, you shouldn't wait till that time. We don't have any guarantees on that. So we need to really contemplate that. You need to contemplate that. God desires us to come to him. The gift of salvation, it's our choice. We can say no way or we can accept it. It's up to us. After we accept him, he promises in verse 8, I'll respond to you. I will acknowledge you. I know your name. I love you. I will help you. I'll bring you out of desolation and ruin. I will give you a token, a covenant that I, Jehovah, will never forsake or break. And I do believe in this age of grace that that token of that covenant is grace. And I will prove it to you, says the Lord. So I ask you this morning if you've accepted this gift of salvation that Christ offers. If not, you can do it anytime, anyplace, anywhere. That's the point. In these days in which we live, the altar is the human heart. And I've said this before. The Old Testament altar was a nasty, nasty place. It was, had blood on it. And they would slit that animal's throat and they would pour that blood so there was a big mess of blood. And I can't imagine the flies and on and on that goes, goes with that. And that was a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement for people's sins. I love the altar. I spent a lot of time at the altar when I was coming to Christ and going through those stages. Actually, every Sunday I was up there. And you know what bothered me at first? It, it bothered me to think there are people sitting in that church wondering what what I've done and why, why I would, but you know what? After a while, it didn't matter because that was a place of freedom for me because I was still living like hell during the week and coming up to church and shaking hands and smiling. And so, man, now Eddie is a great guy. Well, Eddie wasn't a great guy. Eddie had a black heart. That was the problem. But God put the beat on me on Sundays and draw me up there and I'd fall down there and cry and, and leave those burdens. But finally, it got better after a while. And I started changing somewhat. <laughs> and that's, that's what he does with us. But I, I want you to know that you can accept Christ 24-7 wherever you're at. And if you've not got that this morning, that, that, is, that is the main thrust of this message. And if you have gotten in the boat with Jesus, are you in step with him? Do you hear daily? Do you hear the Holy Spirit's cadence in your life as he guides you left, right, left? Do you hear that? Because all of us in here, he's got a plan for you. And in your daily activities, he's got people for you to pray for, people for you to, to witness to, people for you to reach out and touch, people for you to text, to email, and heaven forbid, even do it on Facebook. 
You know, Facebook's not so bad if you use it for God. You can, you can send out messages like that. That's the point because we're all in this world to be Jesus, and that's what he's got us doing, and we can't do that if we're not in step. You know, the Holy Spirit uh, is an amazing person. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, we read the promise of God, even back in the Old Testament. Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And we know that at, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And there's right before Pentecost when Jesus was leaving. He's on the Mount of Olives getting ready to ascend to the Father. This is what he told his guys. Chapter 1 of Acts. When they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? And he told them. You don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world, which covers the entire earth, actually. And then Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Furthermore, because... we. We are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we, we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So the Holy Spirit comes to live with us. God has a plan set and set times for your life. Sometimes God moves suddenly. I like that. I, I like it when he, God moves suddenly. But usually he has to prepare us for the changes he has in mind. Sometimes he will start by loosening a grip on a career that provided you great security, a home that you've invested in, a relationship you considered long-term. But God changes that sometimes. Then he gives you the passion to pursue fresh interests and before long you're thinking, hold on, these dreams will never be fulfilled where I am setting right now. Thus, the desire to change takes root in your heart. And then comes the waiting. Why? Because it takes time for change to produce the maximum benefit. I'm not crazy about waiting. We've discussed this in the last few weeks. Patience is not one of my virtues. Waiting's hard for me. I got stuff to do. I can't be hanging around in this line or whatever. Long lines at the grocery store is tough. Stopping on the interstate's excruciating. Waiting to get out of a parking lot after a concert. It's, it's maddening to me. I hate to admit this, but I've drove through people's yards and through ditches to get around. I don't like sitting in lines. It bums me out. TSA lines at the airport trying to catch a flight sometimes. It stresses you out. But here's the, here are three reasons why God makes us wait. I'm not, it's not about it, but it, it's the way that it is. The first reason is this. 
He begins healing your past so it can't pollute your future. If you keep going back to the past and you're not healed from it, you're never going to go on. It keeps dragging you back and dragging you back. And sometimes you get way out there, and it's like a long rope on your leg just drags you back again and again. God wants to heal you from that and get beyond it because we all have skeletons full of closets. Mine's so full I can't put another one in it. But they're gone. The blood of Christ has washed my sin away. It's gone. I'm no longer that person. I'm a new creation in him. And that's the way that we have to see ourselves. If we don't, we can't take that next step because we're still in the past. The world, the flesh, and the devil wants to drag us back there constantly. We have to say, zip it. I am a different person. I can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's, that's, that's who we are now. We're not, we're not the person that we were before. So for us to go on to take that next step, we've got to be healed from our past. Secondly, second reason God makes us wait is he expands your knowledge so you're better prepared. He wants you to learn a few things that you need to know for your next step that you will need. Being impatient, it was tough for me because when I first got that, that urging to learn, I spent four, it was a five-year study course. I spent four years on Thursday nights on four-hour classes. It was the end of that fourth year that I got the call to go north. I said, this is it. So we pastored our first church seven years, the second church seven years, getting us ready for this. 19 years is what I waited. And I realized it at the time, and I, I was impatient. I made some mistakes along the way. I want it now. I want it to happen now. And that was the point. You know, I, I've told you this probably many times, but... When we were in Freeport that first few years, I, I had this vision. I wasn't caught up to heaven. I, I wasn't in some kind of trance. God had just placed this vision in my heart that I saw this place. I didn't see faces. I saw tables. I saw chairs. I saw people enjoying themselves in God's living room. I wanted to buy this old grocery store in Freeport, Illinois, but it, it didn't, work, didn't work out. It wasn't time. Man, God's time's not our time. That bugs us sometimes. We want God to do stuff when we want him to do it, but, but nonetheless. So it, it was 19 years, and then God finally said, I'm, I'm going to send you to Solomon. It, it's time. So he expands your knowledge so you're better prepared. And thirdly, he makes us way. He develops your character. He builds you up spiritually. Be strong and courageous. He molds and forms you until you're ready. Then the cadence start. Ready, march. Left, right, left. You know, it's funny sometimes, we who've been around church and in Christ for a while, when a new person comes in that has just given their life, we kind of look and say, man, they're a little rough around the edges. <laughs> they still cuss a little bit. They might even still smoke and drink quite a bit. You know, it, I, but that's the point where you gather around them and you keep loving them as they get stronger and stronger in Christ. That's the way that it works. He develops your character. You need strong character when you go out into the war. You can't be half-baked. You have to be strong. You have to be, uh, an analogy would be a, 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 an alcoholic that, that came to Christ and maybe went through AA or didn't, but somehow God delivered him and healed him from that. And he had the strength to go back in a bar and sit and witness to people. 
That's what I'm talking about. You can't do that immediately. Some people can, but not very many. It takes, it takes some years to do that. Even though God says in Isaiah 60, 70, 22, when the time comes, I will do all this. We don't appreciate his timing until after the dust has settled. It's the way in my life. I didn't appreciate God's timing till it settled. And praise God what he did that we came down here. The Holy Spirit put this whole thing together and made it work. If I'd have stumbled down here right after the first few years, I'd have probably been a miserable failure because I was doing it on Eddie's time and under Eddie's power, and I have none. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. I'm just a mere branch. One thing, however, is certain. When you allow God to work out his plan on his schedule, you only get his best, and remember, it's easier to know when to move if you stay in step with God and hear the cadence. And that sometimes means turning a deaf ear to the world and to advice of well-intentioned friends sometimes. But the end results are always well worth it. Sometimes friends and family don't understand following God. It's foreign to them. Man, how, how could you turn away that $100,000 a year job and, and do this? Well, God's in it, and people don't understand that because we're so wired here. I hope this clip works. Uh, we, there's a, a girl named Carrie Job. She's a contemporary Christian artist. She's a worship pastor at the Gateway Church in uh, South Lake, Texas. Talks about taking this next step. And in the first um, service, it was like you was watching Kung Fu Theater, one of those spaghetti westerns. The mouth would move, and then about four seconds later, you'd hear a voice. So if, if, if that messes up, we'll, we'll move on. See if, you, see if it works, kiddo. Positive, encouraging K-Love, broadcasting live from Nashville, bringing you the K-Love Fan Awards experience on the radio. So um, if you don't mind me asking a personal question, you okay. can say I will not answer that question. I'm really nervous right okay. now. Okay, you shouldn't be nervous. You shouldn't be nervous. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about what it's like to be a single young woman yeah. and a Christian and how you walk that out. Well, I think it's with anything else. You just, God's timing is perfect, you know, mm -hmm. and everyone's walking through things that they're just having to trust the Lord for his timing. But my favorite scripture verse is Psalm 27, 14. It says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. So oh. I know that he's had me wait. I'm in my 30s now. You know, he's had me wait because his timing's perfect. So those of you girls who are listening or you're single, God has the perfect man for you, and it'll be the best timing when it's the right time, when it's go. God's time. And anything rushed is not right. No. Not right good. at all. Because I think that's what people really want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Real life stuff. In, Real life. In the, is it know. hard? Oh, Is yeah. it frustrating to be like, I'm 30? Do you not want to say how, how old 32. you are? 32. Okay, 32. Yes. See? Is that hard? You're like, okay, this was not the plan. Like, I was supposed to be married at 24 and I was supposed to have oh, yeah. three kids by now. Oh, like, yeah. do you, is, was that your thought in your for head? For sure, for sure. I, I was more like 21 or 20. In your, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I think God just is, he's really faithful with knowing what he's called us to. I don't, I don't know that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know, it would look different. So um, there's a grace for what I've been doing and I'll be excited when God brings that next phase of my life. Yes, and you're being obedient to him. That's right. And that, I think, is the most important That's thing. That's right. I love that. She talked about the next stage in her life. I think that's a question for all of us. 
We like to think sometimes that God will get us to a certain place on a plateau and that'll be it. It doesn't work that way. Not for followers of Christ. It's always up. You're always moving forward. You never, you never just, and the problem is sometimes we get, we get settled in, we get relaxed and we just sat and that's not so good. What's the next stage in your life, beloved, people that I love? Where is God leading you? You should know that. And if you don't know it, it should be a, a continual prayer in your life, and you ask the question, Lord, what's next? What direction are you headed? How are you going to get there? Who's going to help you get there? And sometimes we drag our feet sometimes, and God asks, why are you doing that? When are you going to take that next step? Are you in step with God? Do you hear his cadence? Is, is his rhythm sp spoken into your life every day by the Holy Spirit? And you know that it's his voice. Isaiah 49, 8, this is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will respond to you. Day of salvation, I will help you. And after that first day, that never stops. He's here to help us. He's on our side, that he loves us. Perhaps today is the right time for you. If we listen, he will respond. If you don't know him, this is the day he offers salvation to you. And I say, please accept it. It's a process. It starts with the Holy Spirit squeezing your heart. And you feel conviction. It's a warm pulling toward God. And he calls your name. And it gets louder and louder and louder. And hopefully you get to that point where you... Fall on your face before him and say, yes, Lord, I, I'm, I'm ready. I, I accept you. I want you to be my Savior. I'm here to tell you today, as we live for Christ, it'll be the most difficult thing we do on this earth. We think a lot of things are difficult, but they're nothing compared to this. As you fight that old nature, as you fight off the devil and all that he presents to us, and it's a 24-7 concept. He's always presenting it. You never get away from it. It's always there. And we have to cowboy up. We have to get strong in Christ, and we have to be able to walk away from some of that, that stuff. And I know it's hard, and that's why we have each other. That's why you need some kind of small group. If you're not in one, start one. Look for one. Find one. There's some guys, Chris and I and Thad and Clint, get up and crawl to the catty corner every Monday morning at 5 a.m. It's not something I do every morning, but there, there's some growth out of that. We're knocking off some of those rough edges. We're, we're doing life together, and that's what it takes. We might not always agree with each other, but we love each other. We lay our differences aside and get together and, and do that. We, we need to do that. We need each other, but for us to walk through this life alone is not a good gig. You need, you need God, and, and we need each other. It's the same with Wednesday morning. I mean, I, I can't uh, uh, explain what that does to get, uh, get with some fellow believers and just do life. Maybe God's calling you home this morning because you're lost. If you're lost, you're doomed without Christ. And you are headed for a forever of excruciating suffering in hell. I, I, can't, I can't tell you what hell's like. I don't think it's canonized or even scripturally based. 
But you want to get a glimpse a little closer, read Dante's The Inferno. He has different levels of hell. There's different levels for murderers, for child molesters, for just plain sinners. He, he, he marks this out, and he's got diagrams. But some of the wordage that he uses, you kind of get a sense. You can almost smell the fire, actually. You know, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. It's because he wants to keep us out of there. That's the point. And that is, that's where we're headed if we don't have Christ in our heart. So today, right now, God offers you a way out, a way to be rescued and redeemed and reconciled to God. First, you have to admit you're a sinner. Admit that you need a Savior. You ask forgiveness. Confess your sins. That's confession. Be willing to turn from your sins. You repent. You believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and rose from the grave. And through prayer, you invite Jesus to come in and control your life through the Holy Spirit and receive him as Lord and Savior. I can't tell you how many times since I've done that that it's been up and down for me, that I've backslid and I get convicted and I fall on my face before God over and over again. But here's the point. As we backslide, we hope that every time it does, we don't go as far as we did the last time that we've learned enough, that our character has grown enough to stop us before we go that far. And then the next time we'll be a little closer. And then the next time a little, we're never going to be without sin in our lives. We are imperfect people. We are flawed creatures, but with the power of God, it can get less and less and we can live in Christ and we don't have to worry about sin keeping us on our face all the time. I hope that makes sense. Here's how I came to Christ. And my pastor led me in this prayer of a Billy Graham steps to peace with God that we have here. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. You can say that prayer right where you're at. You don't, you don't have to come up here. We like for you to come up here so we can pray with you. If you said that prayer this morning for the first time, write that on your card. You need to be baptized with a witness to the world, an outward sign of an inward change. It's a sign of regeneration. It's that sign of leaving that old life behind and being washed away and coming into a new. September 18th is our next baptism. So you write that on your card. And if you're already a follower of Christ, how's your spiritual life going? That's what, that's what church was for me every Sunday. It was a checkup. It was a heart checkup on my spiritual heart. Sometimes I, uh, many times actually, I was convicted. It's like the Holy Spirit put that stethoscope in there and it wasn't beaten right. But how, how's your spiritual life going? Do you see God moving in your life every day? Is his plan for your life taking shape and you see that? Do you know what he wants you to do? How about the next step? To me, there's always a next step. And God never lets, us, never lets us rest, in a sense. We rest in him, but he's always got something more to do. And praise God, I've seen growth in a lot of you folks, a lot of you, and that, that excites me. And I, I think it should be for all of us. We should all be moving that way. Or maybe God has you waiting. Perhaps he's healing your past. You've got to let him do it. Don't keep wallowing in it. Don't keep going back. Don't keep saying, poor me. It's got to be a time where we give that to God and move on and forget about it if you can. I know it's hard, but you can do it. You, you can't. You're, you're a new person now. 
Or maybe you're trying to expand your knowledge. Let him do that. Grow. Let him grow you. Is he working to develop your character, your spiritual integrity? You've got to let him do that. You can't fight him. Remember, when you allow God to work out his plan on his schedule, you only get his best. Would you say you're in step with God this morning? Only you can answer that. You're letting the Holy Spirit of God call cadence, that rhythm, and giving you direction on your path. And if not, I implore you to get back in step. You know, we can always jump right back on the path. You need prayer this morning. You need Christ. You want to be prayed with. You come down here, and like I said, there are people here that love you and want to pray with you. Uh, I fought a lot of battles at one of these. And uh, praise God. I won most of them. Because of that, I'm standing here before you this morning as your friend and as your pastor. It was only by God's grace and mercy and divine intervention that I can stand before you this morning and preach this message, which I would rather have somebody else preach. (laughs) I still fight that a little bit. So I love you guys, and I'm really proud of you. Thanks for coming to hang out with us this morning. Lord, we love you. Give you praise and glory in this place. And Lord, if we're all completely honest this morning, we all realize that we we all struggle with different issues. And I know there are some of us that go back to the past way too often. It's okay to remember the good stuff, but that bad stuff that damaged us, that left scars on us, we got to get rid of that. And Lord, I believe in your power so much that you can heal us from that. And as you heal our past, you, 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 you begin to work in our lives, and we want to grow, and we want more knowledge of you, and we start to do that. And then you improve our integrity and our character till we get to that place, Lord, where you push us out of the nest, so to speak, and we move on. And I'm sure there's many that needs to move on this morning. So I pray, Lord, as we close this service today, Holy Spirit, as you speak to folks in your gentle, loving voice, that whatever instruction you give them, that they might heed it and obey it. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.